0: This episode of the Off-Peak Podcast is brought to you by Getting Ice by Your Roommates.
1: Listen, I have been suffering as of late because, you know, the shoulder thing, and now I shouldn't be drinking whiskey, but instead I'm drinking a Smirnoff Ice, which on the back they claim is actually flavored beer. Oh, man. They wouldn't know a beer if it smacked them in the face.
2: I... I almost told Steve when he was telling me that he was going to do this to you, maybe hold off, because it was like the day after you stayed up till 3.30 in the morning. I was like, I think Nicole will take this well, but there's a off chance that she'll be like kind of pissed.
0: I was wondering why Nicole had yelled Steve's name twice. Uh. I assumed that she had wanted him to come up after he didn't respond the first time.
1: No, you see what happened was I went to get changed for bed and I went to go put on sweatpants found the first one was angry, and then went to go put on a t shirt and found the second one and then was very angry um i haven't i ha- i actually have not been iced uh since you put an ice in my ski jacket before uh, yes we went skiing at a uh, snowshoe.
0: That was, a, that was a great ice. Yeah. And you drank it like a champ. I,
1: I did, even though it was 8 in the morning, and uh, the other guy on the trip was definitely judging me. I got down on one knee and let her rip. <laughs> so.
0: Welcome to this week's Off Peak Podcast.
2: <laughs> Welcome.
0: I'm joined by my rankers, Nicole.
2: Who
1: is, unfortunately,
0: drinking it ice. And George. Who is gladly
2: drinking something else.
1: George is drinking whiskey, which is what everyone should
0: drink. I, too, am drinking whiskey. I'm Sam. Mm-hmm. I'm your ranker-in-chief. I was say whiskey quotation
2: mark. Well, okay, never mind. I don't want to Yeah, let's, We'll explain we we'll later. Steve, Steve, once roll it, once, once we've yeah. had
0: a few more of these drinks. Yeah, exactly. I'm also here with Agenda Steve. What's on the agenda today, Steve? Well, Sam, let me tell you. It's Agenda Steve here with today's hot new agenda. So you don't get lost, let's orient ourselves
2: with this episode's three points. Navigation, navigation, and more navigation. That's right, we're gonna navigate you through the navigation scores in our rating.
0: And here's Sam with navigation. So as Agenda Steve just said, we're going to be talking about the one category that's extremely important that nobody actually talks about today. What is that category? That is ease of navigation around the resort. You don't think about it when you're booking a trip. But a lot of the time that you're going to be spending during your ski day is getting around from place to place at the resort. And if you can't do that, that means less skiing for your buck. <laughs>
2: mhm.
0: So today, we're going to talk about a resort that we just published a review on, Park City. And we're going to discuss its navigation score, which was not very good. Um, and we're going to go into a little bit more detail than we did in the actual review about why it got that score. And honestly, I could have written about three pages about the navigation experience at Park City. Just going to go on the rant right now. Park City is a 7,300-acre resort which is the biggest resort in the united states it's basically two resorts that used to be completely separate so the initial one is park city which is basically where the resort got its name from it's in park city super awesome town best operate ski in utah that i've been to and then the other side is called canyons and canyons is actually a several mile drive away from park city itself but bigger acreage It's a bit more of like a built-up resort village. Like, think, for example, Mountain Village at Telluride. Maybe not that built up. Um, Maybe like the steamboat base area. Think, Think something along those lines. It has like this cool residential area that requires a pulse gondola to get to. You know, those are always pretty fancy. But the problem with the new Park City setup, with Park City and Canyon's newly combined and by newly i mean as of 2015 is that they really just phoned it in when connecting the two resorts together it takes half an hour at least to get from the park city base to the canyons base and the canyons base is basically where the heart of the canyons is and so like if you're getting from anywhere on the park city side to anywhere on the canyons it's between like 25 and like 50 minutes to get there and that's if you actually can ski down fast some of the some of the trails that are required to get there. Going from Canyon's to Park City, that's also about half an hour to 45 minutes and it's not a direct it's not a direct lift to get between them. You have to take at least four lifts to get between these base areas. And that's if you know where you're going. So like if you don't follow the signs and I will give Park City this, its signage isn't terrible, but it's still easy to get lost. Like It's not super intuitive to find your way from Park City to, like, the 9990 area in the canyons or, like, from canyons if you want to go to Jupiter Bowl and Park City. That one actually takes seven lifts to get to, by the way, which is pretty nuts. But there's only one lift connecting the two sides of the resort, and that's the Quicksilver Gondola. So this gondola, it's pretty comfortable. It's fast. And while you're on it, you get some of the best views of one of Park City's valleys. So I think it's called Thane's Canyon. And then the most direct way to get between Park City and canyons. So once you get off, if you're going from Park City to canyons, once you get off the Quicksilver Gondola, you're in the Iron Mountain area. And if you want to get from Iron Mountain to the canyons base area, you have to take two slow lifts to get there. And at least to me, when you're on a slow lift and you're going to some really awesome terrain and you're going to get tired on that terrain, that's okay. But if you're taking a slow lift just to get from one place to another, like you're already going to get bored on that lift. It's just how it works. And you have to have like, honestly, Is that if, you're, how it works? if you're by yourself, like Nicole's skied at Mountain Creek before. She knows what a slow lift that just gets you from place to place can be like. I mean, okay, Par City has some great terrain, so I wouldn't say you're not getting anywhere interesting. You're just not going directly to that interesting place. You're just basically getting from one side of the road to another side of the road when you're on the timberline chair. And then once you get from one side of timberline to the other side of timberline, in order to get directly back to the canyon's base area, you have to choose between the over and out lift, which is also slow or you can take the Tombstone Express. Once you get to the top of that, you can take the slow shortcut lift to get the to the canyon's shortcut. Canyons it's base area. It's a weirdly named a lift. lift. It's it's
2: a short Wait, lift. So you would say that the experience going from one of the peaks to the other peak at Park City is not as good as, say, the gondola experience at Whistler Blackcomb, which sounds like exactly. A similar example that's analogous in that it's two different uh, Great, great
0: lead-up, George. because the peak the peak
1: is just a fun time. You don't care how long it takes because it's just such an engineering feat. <laughs> it's, just,
0: it's scary to look down. Yes. But before we get into that, let me just mention that Whistler's navigation score is a 6, which is twice the score that Park City gets for its navigation experience. And even though Whistler is a bigger mountain, there are a substantial number of reasons why it gets a higher score. Namely, the fact that there's a lot of places that you can just go from one area to another super intuitively. Like, it is frustrating how well they do this. Like, if you were a product manager at another mountain, you will just be disappointed with the setup that you have. Because it's not as conducive (laughs) to getting that navigation experience and as big of a footprint as Whistler's is do
1: mountains have product managers I'm sure they
2: do I feel feel like like that some amount of design is going into this because there's such a
0: difference in how they're I would
1: just hope they have a fancier job title
0: they're mountain mountain manager manager, mountain uh, Mountain logistics specialist the sign guy (laughs) the lift guy
1: oh Killington definitely doesn't have a sign guy oh
0: yeah If you're a mountain logistics specialist and you'd like to come on our podcast, please comment below.
1: (laughs) Set us all straight.
0: But anyway, the other thing, besides it being intuitive to get around, is that getting from your typical Whistler area to your typical Blackcomb area takes about 20 minutes, and the same goes for the other way around. And you don't even have to take the peak-to-peak midway up in order to get between the two mountains. In fact, they share a base. (laughs) And so it's like half the time that it takes getting from one side of Park City to another, and you have an additional 900 acres to explore. Mm.
1: Yeah, I, I, got, I have no complaints about Whistler. That yeah. was, was
0: a great place. Yeah. So I'm sure like, that's a good point you guys brought up, because I'm sure people will be wondering whether it's just all big mountains that have terrible navigation experiences. And if you've only been to Park City and Big Sky, which we're about to talk about, you'll probably be under that impression. And so, you guys, Nicole and George, do you want to tell me about why Big Sky can be frustrating navigation-wise?
1: Um, I mean, they, they just don't have... I, I think one of the problems is um, they don't have a lot of signs, but it's not that they don't have signs, it's that, like, the signs that they do have... Like, they don't really tell you where you're going. Like, it just says the trail name, which is, like, not always super helpful when you're, like, skiing. Because, like, it's also so big that if I, like, sit down and have to plan a route of trail names, that's, like, a lot of names that, like, I may remember, I may not remember. I might screw it up. And so, like, then I have to stop, take the map out. It's not like they tell you how to get to base areas. Um... I remember every single day navigating back to our our lodging, which was kind of slopeside. It was... was in the moonlight
0: basin for everyone from Big Sky who's listening.
1: Yes, it was an adventure and I wasn't always the first day was the worst.
0: It just always felt like a dice roll.
2: Like I remember trying to navigate back alone. and I looked at a map, planned out the route, knew all of the all of the um, runs that I was supposed to take to get there. But then I still took them and got kind of lost because the signs were so poor. I think I missed it at least once. Like, it was just confusing. Even having prepped, which I shouldn't have necessarily done, because yeah. I should have just been able to follow the signs for Moonlight Basin that didn't that really don't exist. exist in the number that I needed them to. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I, like,
1: tried. I planned the route as well, and then I had a bit of a worse experience that first day because, like... We always stay out until, like, last chair, so, like, it's pretty high risk, because it's, like, I have one chance now not to fuck this up. So, I was, like, going, and I, I same thing as George, missed one of my planned trails at one point, so then I was just kind of winging it, and I knew, based off of, like, where I was location-wise, I was like, I think that the house is in that direction, and I was like, crap, there's no trail in that direction. Just keep going left. <laughs> I was like, this other trail... Probably goes down to the Madison base, I was convinced. And so I did some off-roading to get towards the direction the Moonlight Basin was in. And uh, this was an experience because, like, when I finally thought that I was on the right track, there was, like, a giant rope over the knot trail that said, Do not ski here. And I kind of stopped and looked at it, and I was like, Oh, fuck, but I got to... Like, now I was like, well, I just need to go this way. <laughs> and I was like, all right. So, as I was like skiing, the rope was maybe like six inches off the ground, like tied across two trees. So, I just like jumped over it <laughs> and like skidded down into the parking lot of the, uh, what was that super bougie place?
0: Oh, Moonlight Basin. And,
1: uh, well, didn't the lodge have a fancier name? Moonlight Lodge? It was, yeah, it was the Moonlight Lodge, yeah. I like jumped over this rope and then like skidded into the parking lot. And the guy doing the valet parking was, "You're, goes, You're not supposed to ski that way." And I was like, "Listen, man, I didn't have a lot of other choices." But um, yeah, almost wound up at the Madison base while I was trying to get home, and that would have been bad because none of us had a car. So yeah, I don't know. let's let's fun.
0: let's mention. So let's get one of the traits out of the way that both. Park City and Big Sky in their current form share, that could be the root of some of their problems. They're both resorts that have been combined with other resorts to form a mega resort. So Big Sky used to be three resorts, three separate resorts. It used to be Big Sky, Moonlight Basin, and Spanish Peaks, and now all three of them are combined, and since the combinations the resort really hasn't changed the signs for any of them really at all, I don't think. Like It, it seemed like all of When you're in each section of the mountain, you still have the same, like, fonts that seem to be from the original, um, signage. And, like, maybe they replaced some signs, but I would be absolutely shocked if they just used that exact same font for every single situation on the 5,800-acre mountain. But maybe they just wanted to do it for whatever reason, but I don't don't think so. No, the
1: best is, uh, there's this trail off of that, like, eight-seater... Ski lift Ram of Charger. the future, which is, um... Big
0: Sky has a, some fantastic lifts.
1: Yeah, um, there's a trail off that called Snake Bite, and I was just, like, laughing my butt off when we went to go take it, because it, you can tell it definitely used to be a single black diamond, because there's, like, the trail name, and then a black diamond in, like, one font. And then there's like, it literally it's not even a diamond, it's literally just a square rotated 45 degrees that happens to be black and looks totally different from the other diamond. So it's like, at some point, somebody must have done something fucking dumb on that trail and got it upgraded to a double black.
0: Yeah, they just <laughs> they phoned just, in the sign change there.
1: They just slacked on a black square and were like, yep, <laughs> danger.
0: it's <laughs> Pretty funny.
1: That that trail was actually uh, something Sam went down when he was doing his panini challenge. Right.
0: Yes. Yeah. You guys will hear about that at some point in the next couple months.
1: Yeah. Um. Keep an eye out for that video. It was truly comical.
0: Yeah. Um. But yeah. So I think the there are a couple other issues with Big Sky besides the signage. Yeah. There's lots Um, of. It's just like gluts of.
2: You know what I mean? Like where people get concentrated. Yeah.
0: There's there's um, that. I think that's a little bit more of a crowd flow thing oh, though.
1: No, also it, it was the it, it wasn't even the it was the signage though, at least for us getting home, because every day to get home we had to take this like cut through the trees that didn't look like a trail and had no sign. And I don't know if you ever went that way. Oh, yeah, I remember. But, like, I remember the first time I did it. I think I I was with you, and I was like, I think that's the trail. And we were both like, is it, though?
0: I mean... It is the signage. It's it's partially the signage, but it's also just somewhat of the, the layout of the mountain itself being unintuitive. Like, the Madison base is not at the base of where you think it would be. It's like what, like 500, 1,000 feet up from, like, the bottom of the mountain?
1: That did fuck me up one the, day. The layout
2: is unfortunate, and the signage exacerbates the problem.
0: Yeah, what I, would say. I think uh, that's that's how I would put it as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know that one of my friends told me to meet them at the Madison base, so uh, I looked at the map, and I was like, oh, cool, it's this way. And then I skied down to the actual bottom, and I was like, where are all the buildings? And then I was like, oh, is it that like cluster of three buildings that I skied by like two minutes ago? And I was like, shit. <laughs> so that that could do with some better uh, signage to clarify, because I'm very conditioned as a skier to think that the, the lodges are at the bottom or the top in Snowshoe's case.
0: Yeah. You know, it's very rare to, I, I feel like it's just an instinctive thing at some point when you're... A seasoned skier, um, you just, it's always just instinctive in your head. The, the lodge is at the bottom.
1: Well, I I'm just, just passing, pay I'm just passing
0: by a ski bottom, patrol yeah. shack.
1: That's what right I thought. There. I thought, cause there is a ski patrol thing there and there's like a ski school sign. So I thought it was just like ski patrol and ski school. So I just kept going. Um,
0: yeah. yeah. So the good news is big sky. If you're listening, you can improve your navigation score a lot easier than Park City can. All you have to do is just completely revamp your signage, which...
1: But what? leave the snakebite one, because that one is totally fine.
0: Yeah, just <laughs> actually, you know what? Just for all your double blacks, just do the same thing. <laughs> Trip, triple blacks, you can add, like, two on each side.
1: Yeah. <laughs> two black squares rotated 45 degrees. Um,
0: but yeah. So, Big Sky... Park City, both score threes. Think Big Sky, if they can improve their signage a bit, we'd look at improving their score. Um, perhaps we'll reassess next season. Perhaps we won't, given the current environments that we're all living through. Um, Park City, I think, if they want to improve their navigation score a bit more, they need to put some more lifts in there. Um, I think, actually, I've been to Park City before this season, and before we actually launched the review... Our initial score, which we, we drafted this review back in uh, October or so, the initial navigation score was actually going to be a two, but the new over and out lift actually helped things out a lot and made getting to the canyon's base a lot easier. Previously, you had to like go all the way out of the way, take the Tombstone Express up to like midway up the mountain and then take that shortcut lift we were discussing earlier. It was all in all, all an infuriating experience and it's really unbecoming of a resort of that caliber to have any experience that that's, that's that infuriating. Um, But they improved it. They, even though the new lift is slow, um, it makes a lot more direct to get back to the base area. And it also improved crowd flow in that section, which I think was one of the worst uh, at at that point junction points for crowds of any Utah resort. Um, But now that's cleared up a bit. So we actually, uh, would have rated Park City as a 5 for crowd flow if that hadn't occurred, but now it's a 6. So, if you're listening to Vail Resorts, because you made that lift installation, Park City score retroactively went up 2 points.
1: Wow. Damn. I'm sure they are stoked.
0: So, now that I've gotten that out of the way, you guys have anything else to say?
1: Um... Summer is the dumbest season, is my only feeling. We covered that in the last uh, podcast. I know. Yeah, it doesn't make it any less true. I miss skiing.
0: Summer in D.C. I think is the worst
2: season. Yes,
1: that's, that's I think true.
2: I've heard of other places where summer is nice. Oh my god, really? Leah, the uh, wow. The hallowed land of New Hampshire, summer is very nice. Ah. It's cool, it's not humid, it's great. But D.C., it's just uh Can you ski, though? Heat. Uh you cannot but you can go to the beach. Well, people you still You can go hiking.
1: Wait, wait. People don't they go to Tuckerman's Ravine still? I think that's kind of closed at this point. Okay. I read an article recently about how some dude almost died um and then was like, "I was not prepared <laughs> for for Tuckerman's Ravine." And I was just like, "Oof." <laughs> well,
0: yep. That was fun.
2: Yeah. Sam what, pray tell, are you drinking?
0: Well, George, it's funny you ask, because I'm actually drinking George-branded whiskey, only available in our household.
1: Yes, and only available if you have a friend named Tommy. And it's your birthday.
2: It, yes, it was a very sweet gift, um... That would have been sweeter if it tasted good. I don't know. I, I should, <laughs> Tommy was really nice to get me that. And he was especially nice to get it to me two years in a row. And the second round, it was very delicious. But the first round, I just don't have to heart to tell him it was really
1: bad. Well, hopefully he hears all this podcast so you never have to tell him in person, but I do think the next time... Nah, George, over, George
0: is just self loathing No.
1: No, he might find it a bit weird that... We uh, went through
0: the second one yes, before the first one. The
1: birthday whiskey from this year is already gone, but the birthday whiskey from two years ago is still not even half done. Yeah. And, like, I remember we cracked it open at George's birthday and it didn't smell good to- I was gonna drink it on the rocks, but it didn't smell great so i was like i'll just take a shot to see what i'm in for and i took a shot and almost puked in the garbage can and i was like i don't like that and then when i was less drunk i tried drinking it on the rocks and that was uh insulting to the ice
0: i think uh, it's good yeah it's, Um,
2: it's, it's it's i think that we've actually gotten a lot of value just about making fun of it yes like the comedic value it has brought was totally worthwhile it's just that drinking it doesn't really do much for you. Yeah. Unless you're Sam.
1: I would actually rather drink Johnny Walker Red. And that's saying something.
2: I think I might rather drink. I might rather drink. Gasoline? I was going to say Jim Beam. It's,
1: it's, oh, it's pretty Oh, man. Yeah. I, I,
0: I don't really like where this conversation's going. But anyway, I'll post a picture of the George branded whiskey in this podcast so that you guys can get the full experience of what I'm drinking. You guys have anything else to say?
1: If you want us to drink fun things, let us know, and maybe I'll mix it up and stop drinking whiskey. No promises though.
0: <laughs> You're drinking an ice right now. Yeah, well, I'm, Not by choice.
1: I've been forced and I ain't no bitch. I always drink my ices.
0: <laughs> and on that chipper note... Thanks for listening, everyone. See you back on the peak.